Thank you so much for tuning in to the Phenomena NDE. I'm your host today, Kathy Lee Parker. And with me today, I have a gentleman named Randy. He has suffered his NDE in 2020, and he had four experiences. So, Randy, welcome to my show. Thank you very much, Kathy, for having me on and helping me share my, my journey. It uh, truly is a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. And your journey, you were in a coma. You barely made it through this COVID-19. Um, you went through a coma with uh, your 3% chance of living. Is yes, that correct? And I yes, want to, you take the wheel and just tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, uh, real quick. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of talk about COVID here real quick, but I did catch it in March of 2020. I have no clue where I got it from. Mm -hmm. um, I just started to feel sick here at home, not feeling well, loss of, you know, smell and appetite and things. And one of my daughters came to check on me and took me to the emergency room. And uh, it became that's the last time I saw a family member for uh, six weeks. So they initially uh, admitted me in critical condition with bilateral pneumonia. And within uh, two days of being admitted, uh, they did an emergency intubation on me. And then within 24 hours, <clears throat> I was um, air vector, life care flighted over to a larger hospital and placed on an ECMO machine, which is essentially heart-lung bypass. Mm -hmm. So the machine was breathing for me and it was assisting my heart to pump because I did go in total uh, organ failure and was on total life support. Um, I had a collapsed lung, bilateral pneumonia with um, acute respiratory failure, kidney failure. Uh, my liver enlarged. I had, was throwing blood clots. I was bleeding internally. And like I said, my heart uh, was not enlarged and was not pumping adequately. So that's about the same time they called and told my family that I had about a 3% chance of, of survival and that they should probably plan for my uh, potential death. Wow. Um, yeah, so that that was, um, and my NDEs occurred sometime between March the 29th when I was placed in a coma until um, April the 10th. So I have no idea what order any of my NDEs occurred. Um, the doctors had told me that, you know, I was on, uh, I was in the abyss, you know, they just didn't know where I was going to fall on what side of uh that razor's edge that I was on, if I was going to pass or if I was going to live. So the doctors had told me, he says, you're, you're just a miracle. He said, we don't understand how you, how you lived. So the, my first, um, NDE that I like to discuss mm -hmm. is that I remember myself in some toward some sort of tunnel or a tube mm -hmm. and I was moving not real fast, but I was moving. I was consciousness that I was moving through this tunnel and I had no body. Uh, it was just my consciousness, no arms, no legs. It was just me moving through this, this long, dark tunnel. And at first I thought it was like an airplane fuselage because it had small little windows on the side of the tunnel as I went and moved down. Mm -hmm. And there was an, an incredible warmth 
of light surrounding or encasing this tunnel. And I could feel its warmth, but the light never penetrated into the tunnel. Mm. And I could feel the just, I was at peace. I was at so calm and collected as I moved through this tunnel. And I knew I had died. Randy? Remember? Yes, ma'am. Um, when you talk about the warmth, is it like warmth of heat or warmth of love? Yeah, it was a more of a, a warmth of love. It okay. wasn't hot. It wasn't, you know, um, the type of heat that we were used to. It was just mm -hmm. a, like a somebody was giving you a big hug. And it just felt so comfortable and you felt so loved um, as you moved through this tunnel. Uh, and... Uh, that's how I described it as, as this warmth. Mm -hmm. um, you just felt so comfortable in it. And it, <clears throat> next thing I knew, I was standing in a, in a large, beautiful hall. It was magnificent looking. It, it was huge. And it had the old cathedral-type rib vaulted ceilings mm -hmm. with beautiful chandeliers hanging down from the ceiling. They illuminated the... Uh, the room itself okay. with large picture or uh, stained glass windows on both sides of this hall that I was in just magnificently raising up from the floor. And they were beautiful um, stained glass and, the, and the light was shining in through the stained glass. There was water features that I noticed different areas of this building mm -hmm. and the whole room just glowed of gold. It was just absolutely phenomenal. The arches, there was three arches on either side of the building that looked like they led into different parts, uh, maybe of, of the building itself. And they were, these archways were just outlined with these big, beautiful gold features and just a magnificent room. The floor was just an opaque golden color. And, and I was standing like on a, ma a mezzanine looking down uh, into the floor and I felt that there was some type of activity going on in the floor because I could feel movement but I couldn't see anyone mm -hmm. interesting so, yeah. did you see any and, like um, when you were in the building did you see any pictures or just glass and chandeliers yeah just the glass the water features mm -hmm. uh, I don't recall any pictures hanging from you know the walls or anything um Mm -hmm. And this, I felt that there was somebody with me. I, I didn't know who it was, but I just felt their presence. Somebody was standing next to me at that time. And I, I mm -hmm. didn't question them, you know, and again, because all of a sudden this man walked up to me and he had dark hair. Uh, he had a beard on uh, and a, like a black robe that he was wearing. Mm -hmm. And um, I commented to him right away. I said, this absolutely beautiful building it's absolutely gorgeous and he goes yes he said this is one of our most favorite spots now i don't remember um physically speaking those words i remember thinking them mm -hmm. uh, and hearing his response but it wasn't like he was actually talking to me mm -hmm. it was more almost telepathically yeah did he come he up and introduce himself did he say who he was he didn't. And, you know, I, I, I did not grow up with a religious background. Okay. Um, I was baptized, but my family just wasn't a strong religious family. We didn't mm -hmm. 
speak about God. We didn't, you know, read the Bible. We didn't pray at dinner. Um, but Randy, rarely, you could, Randy, yeah. you could have been anybody, you know. Yeah, you could have been talking yeah. to Peter, James, or John. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you be talking to anybody, no or you're maybe a relative. But uh, I had no reference at all of who he was. Uh huh. Um, and I certainly didn't okay. think to ask. We just started to talk mm -hmm. or communicate is probably a better word. And um, he said, tell me it was one of their most popular. But then he said, you don't belong here. He said, you have to leave. And he oh. pointed towards some doors, big, uh -huh. magnificent oak doors, all carved. And I just, I just remember thinking how beautiful these doors were. And whoever was with me kind of guided me over to those doors and we opened them up and I was standing in this beautiful, magnificent city, which is absolutely gorgeous. And with big, tall, high golden uh, skyscrapers with beautiful, like clear, opaque windows. And they were just as high as you could see. Wow. And there was no traffic. There was no cars or, you know, trucks or anything that in this city but it was just i remember telling one of my daughters before i had any type of a reference that i went to a beautiful city like paris or london mm -hmm. and um i because i didn't have any reference at that time of where i was mm -hmm. i said but it was like a golden city and one of my daughters said well dad you know paris and london isn't golden so i'm not sure where you were but um the streets were just that same opaque, clear, golden, just glow, glowing of gold. And I started, my consciousness started to move through these streets. Did you see people moving around, walking, or just I moving? saw children playing in the park. Oh. There was a beautiful park that I passed. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just a magnificent, brilliant green grass almost a big pasture of grass mm -hmm. with some big, beautiful trees in the background. And I remember that there was four or five children playing uh, off in the distance. I could see them playing there. But again, like in that, when I was in the hall, I could feel commotion and I could feel people around me, but I, I could not see them. I couldn't see them. I felt them, but I couldn't see them. And I can only assume that I could not see him because I wasn't supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it was at that. It wasn't my time mm -hmm. to be there um, because I remember continuing in this city and then suddenly I got very scared. Really? And yes, I got very scared and because I couldn't find my way back. I didn't know how to get back mm -hmm. and I became very anxious. And I started to cry and I was tired. I remember being very, very tired and I sat down and I, I was asking people around me to help me, please help me, help me. So I could feel their presence. I knew people were there. I should say spirits were there, but they wouldn't help me. They wouldn't stop and help me. And I couldn't understand why no one was helping me. When suddenly I looked over my shoulder, looked over my right shoulder, 
Mm-hmm. And this big, beautiful staircase appeared and went way up into the blue sky. Just a magnificent white staircase. And I remember thinking, if I can get to that staircase, maybe someone will see me. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone will find me. So I made my way over to the staircase. I remember ascending that staircase. And I, I and again, I didn't have a body, so I don't know if I was walking or crawling or what I was doing, but I was moving up the staircase. And I have no clue how high I got or how far up the staircase I've got. Mm-hmm. When I heard a voice, a male voice, yell out, there he is, there's Randy, get him. And somebody grabbed me by the collar and just whisked me off of those staircase. What? And, at the, and, at, <laughs> and at the time, everything went blank. You know, I say, the way I describe it is I returned to my dark, sedated world. Uh-huh. Um, and it was just like, you know, I was gone. I was gone from that environment. Wow. And I've been asked a lot by people, well, you know, it doesn't sound like heaven because why would God allow you to suffer and and get scared like he did? And now that I found God after my NDE mm-hmm. and that, you know, I've started this 67 years late because <laughs> I've got to learn mm-hmm. and I have to learn um, about him. And I'm learning more and more every day. But the way I, the only way I can explain it based on what I know now is that God had to allow me to feel those human emotions because, you know, that's what I was used to. That's what I was accustomed to, mm-hmm. being scared, being alone, being afraid, um, because I can tell you that I was afraid of my own death. I went into panic attacks when I thought about my own death. Mm-hmm. And I, I out of control, foot stomping, yelling, panic attacks. And my wife never knew that until, oh gosh, until after the NDE, until um, I started to talk to people mm-hmm. uh, about um, my experience and, and being such afraid of death. And so as you can see with my family, we never had any really religious conversations, Mm -hmm. not like we do now. My kids went to, my three girls went to Catholic school. My wife was Catholic, but me going to church was just for them. You know, I just kind of sat and went to the motions because I would hear things from the priest, like in hopes of rising again. And I remember thinking to myself, man, you should know, you should know if we rise again, what do you mean in in hopes? So, you know, I was a criminal investigator for 30 years and I specialized in death investigation. So I could handle others' death and I could handle, you know, horrific crime scenes and everything that you see involved with with death. But boy, I sure couldn't handle my own. So... But God had to let me feel that. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. But I was wondering, okay, was this your first, because you had four NDEs, yeah. and this is your first experience. And then when did, when did you went back? When, ah, the second one. When did that start? Yeah, like, like I said, I don't know what an order of these. Okay, know? okay. But I do remember finding myself 
in that same city again time. but you were on a, the staircase in a different i'm sorry ma'am you were not on the staircase no 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 <laughs> i was in that section of, of in that city again oh. but in a totally different area okay. um the buildings were still gold and beautiful like they were before the streets and parks were just absolutely mm -hmm. almost undescribable in, in their beauty mm -hmm. But I remember that I was in a different section, but I knew how to get to those steps. And I made my way back. To the steps? To the steps. Did you get yanked again? Or did you get I yanked? Got yanked? I got yanked off again. Oh, no way. <laughs> you got to stay away from but, those stairs. <laughs> yeah. But this time, before, I heard, I heard the voice again. There he is. There's Randy. And I turned. And I remember seeing a man with white hair uh -huh. and a white beard uh -huh. with a white robe. And he had a white sash around this white robe. Uh -huh. And it was very, he just commanded your attention. You know, I remember looking at him and just saying, you know, who is this person? Before he grabbed me and boom, off I was gone. <laughs> so I have no idea who grabbed me. Um, but I have heard other stories that who uh, uh, people have described that same person uh -huh. with the white hair and the white beard. So, um, you know, then I, like I said before, I kind of returned to my dark world. I just went blank again. 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 Okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind of describe it as I return to my dark, sedated world. You know? uh -huh. And then I remember my consciousness waking up and I was on a pathway. Mm -hmm. It was a dirt pathway. Mm -hmm. And I was moving down again, no body, just my consciousness, just my spirit. Um, and I was moving down this pathway. It was beautiful. On both sides of the pathway were these beautiful flowers and trees all in bloom. And it, you just felt, again, God's warmth. And I knew, again, I knew I died. I remember saying, you're dead, but where are you going? Mm -hmm. And again, you could just, I felt so calm. And Kathy, I've never felt such peace than what I felt during these experiences where I was. Wow. It just felt so loved and so warm and mm -hmm. so it was so welcoming in that regard, you know. It just felt like I belonged there. Now the third time you're back at the third time, but do you start recognizing anybody? No, I was on my I was by myself on this pathway. Wow. And there was a river that ran along the side of the pathway, beautiful, uh -huh. beautiful river. And beyond that, that meandered back and you could just feel, see fields of green grass. Absolutely. And I've been to the highlands of Scotland. And I've been to the highlands of Ireland and I've seen some magnificently green, beautiful mm -hmm. grass, but the grass there just did not compare to the beauty that we have here on earth. Did you have any experience with like something on your left hand side, like any big building or of some sorts? Not at that time, but a little boy appeared. Oh. And he had 
the you know, three-quarter length shorts on. Uh, okay. Olive skin. Uh-huh. No shirt. Uh, dark hair with the, uh, like a bowl haircut. Okay. You know what I mean by that? Uh-huh, yeah. A bowl haircut. And he was very, very animated. And he kept telling me, follow me, follow me. And he was waving his little arms, you know. Maybe, I don't know, if you had to give him an earth age, maybe eight or nine okay. years old, maybe. Uh-huh. And he was very, very animated. He was kind of jumping and all excited, you know, and waving his arms and yelling, follow me, follow me. So I remember my spirit following him. And he took me into a building. And he took me into a room. Mm -hmm. And again, the room was just beautiful. It was these big, uh, grand, uh, I describe them as a leather, like a, a leather settees uh -huh. throughout the room. And uh, there was a picture window on the, on the one side of the room. And I remember moving over to that picture window and looking out in that river that I saw on side of the pathway actually ran underneath the building and it meandered off into the distance. And there were three or four people I saw in the water of this river. It was very calm, peaceful flowing. I, I the, the earthly way I describe it is this, you've ever been to a lazy river? Yes. And how, and how it kind of moves slowly. Right. Right. That's kind of what it was like. And these people, were they swimming or anything? What were they, they were both, they were on the side of the bank of the river uh -huh. underneath these big, beautiful trees. Mm -hmm. And they were just like relaxing and talking. They wow. weren't swimming or anything, but they were just in the water mm -hmm. um, talking. Wow. Uh, and like I said, there was like two or three groups I saw, three or four people. Can I ask a question? Was water. it like yeah. water, water, like the water we see on earth, the water? Yeah, yeah, it was a beautiful. Really? I won't say blue. It was like a crystal. It was a, a clear, clear mm -hmm. water that that flowed through. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't know how long I was in this room waiting. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I was there a few minutes or a few hours. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. But this little boy came back into the room, and he says to me, he says. <clears throat> I'm sorry, he's, but you have to leave. And I remember communicating with him. I said, but I don't want to leave. I said, I feel like, you know, I want to be here. I want to stay here. It's so beautiful and I, I feel so loved. And I said, I don't, I don't want to leave. And he goes, no, I'm sorry. He says, your room isn't ready. You have to leave. Wow. And with that, I returned back to my dark little sedated world. I was gone. <laughs> he, he, you're always asked to leave. Um, you're not wanted here. That feels funny. No, I would feel no. funny if somebody told me that. You're not wanted here. I, I'm, I like, got, I, I'm the only man that got kicked out of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I believe they didn't, it. <laughs> they didn't want me, you know? Um, I look back now and it just wasn't my time, you know? And they were telling me that. They were telling me, I'm not supposed to be here. You have to leave. Uh, so, you know, my soul was trying to get there, but um, I get, get, kept getting pushed back. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, again, having no 
real religious background, I was a very big skeptic um, uh-huh. of God, and I wasn't sure. You know, I wanted to believe, but I just being in law enforcement, I needed the physical evidence. You know, I needed to know a hundred percent. Because let's face it, I didn't I didn't have a whole. You know, I didn't have faith. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that blind faith that many have that heaven existed and, and you'll get to return one day. When so, you saw people and children and you didn't recognize anybody? Not at that time, no. Not at that time. Wow. I didn't recognize anyone. Wow. And but then, my spirit did waken a fourth time. Wow. Okay. So tell me about the fourth time. <laughs> My spirit awoke, and I was, I felt like I was at the end of that tunnel. I don't remember being in it again, but I felt like I was just coming out of that tunnel. Uh-huh. And I was in a void area. Um, it wasn't pitch black, but it was dark. Wow. It was, it, and nothing. It was just nothing, just darkness. When... I felt the presence of someone next to me. Someone was with me. And he telepathically communicated with me. I needed to follow him. I just knew I needed to follow him. Mm-hmm. And as we started to go into the darkness, orbs of light started to appear. And these little orbs of light were dashing about us. A few at first, but as we got a little bit deeper, more. Now, and we moved into this darkness. The, the way I explain it, Kathy, you've been to the theater. Right. And you've been in the audience. Mm-hmm. And the stage is dark. Right. And all of a sudden, a light comes on. And that light gets brighter and brighter and brighter until you see the actor or actress standing there on stage. Right. And that's what happened. As I moved in, this light started to come on on my left-hand side. And as we got closer, the light got brighter. When suddenly appeared my deceased mother-in-law. Wow. She was in her mid-30s, dressed beautifully. She was sitting down. She was sitting on some type of a chair. And her arm was resting on something and I don't know what it was I have described it before like a like a bar or something like that but the bar is not the right word because it has earth wrong earthly connotations to it you know uh-huh. it wasn't a bar but she was sitting somewhere and she had her left arm resting on something and her right arm was was just posed perfectly she was just sitting very regally you know very straight very proper and she was dressed in all white. Her hair was pulled up into a bun on top of her head. And she had this white ribbon around the bun. And she was dressed all beautifully in this white robe. And she had that sash around her her waist as well. And she was sitting. And I remember yelling at her. And her name was Dolores. And I remember yelling at her, Dolores, Dolores, it's me. It's Randy. I'm here. And she looked at me. And then she looked away. And she wouldn't acknowledge me. Wow. She, she didn't talk to me. She didn't look again. 
She just kind of looked away. Because I remember continuing to yell at her. It's me. It's Randy. I'm here. You know, and to say something. And she wouldn't talk at all. And then suddenly my, my spirit guide said we had to move on. When an orb of light went past me very quickly. And I knew it was my deceased brother-in-law. I don't know what it was, but, you know, I knew it was him. And he didn't stop. He didn't say anything. Um, but I knew it was Mark. I knew it was him that was running by. Uh-huh. And as we moved deeper into this void, the light behind me that illuminated my mother-in-law so slowly dimmed away until it completely disappeared. Uh-huh. And as we moved deeper, as that one light went off, another light came back on, and it got brighter and brighter. But these figures were some distance away from me. They weren't as close as what my mother-in-law was. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had to put a distance to it, you know, my, I was like three or four feet away from my mother-in-law. I was that close to her. Wow. But these other figures were much further away. And as the light continued to come on, Instantly, I knew it was my mother, my sister, and my father. Aww. I knew, I just knew it was them, all deceased. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was screaming at them, it's me, it's Randy, I'm here, I'm here. But they would, again, they wouldn't acknowledge me. I remember they turned away from me. And I tell people that there were, I felt some type of an invisible barrier between me and them. Mm-hmm. I felt that there was something blocking them from me. They was blocking it from me getting to them maybe or maybe they even can... hearing them. Randy, maybe they couldn't see you, but they could hear you, but they couldn't see you. Again, I don't think I was supposed to be there. Oh, okay. So I was allowed to see them, but not communicate with them. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, because you probably would want to stay. (laughs) Right. And my kids told me, Dad, you were up against the veil of death. And they didn't want to acknowledge you because they didn't want you to come through that veil. Uh Uh-huh. That makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, it makes sense, you know. And as that light, as their light started to dim away. Uh Uh-huh. Suddenly, off to my right-hand side, way far away, this orb of light caught my attention, and it was approaching me very quickly. Uh-huh. And it got right in front of me. This orb of light got right in front of me. And a face materialized for just a split second, just very, very quickly. And it communicated with me. It said, tell Madison at the salon her grandfather's okay. And he moved on to a white porch. And he was was making red, white, and blue ribbons and American flags. And And the word veteran kept resonating with me over and over again veteran 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 mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden my spirit guide said 
you have to leave. Oh, and, again. Again. And I went and I went back into my little dark sedated world. Oh. I was gone. Yeah. Did you feel yourself going back like a like being pulled back? I was just gone. Boom. Oh, okay. That's all I remember. It's just I it just everything just went black. And, and did I was you gone. Wake up out of your coma or Yeah, um so all of my NDEs happened sometime between the 29th of March mm-hmm. and the 10th of April, because that's when I was sickest. And on the 10th of April was Easter, or I'm sorry, was Good Friday in 2020. Mm-hmm. And that's the day that I received convalescent plasma. My, my family wanted me to receive it. Um, and that's the day they gave it to me on that Good Friday. Mm-hmm. And by Easter morning, my lungs were not totally clear because my lungs were full of COVID glass. But, but by Easter morning, my lungs were functioning enough that they removed me from this life support system. Wonderful. And then by that Wednesday or Thursday that week, my kidneys started to function again, and they took me off dialysis. My heart returned to normal, and my liver returned to normal as well during that week. And they started to bring me out of my coma. And I tried to to tell the nurses initially what had happened and what I experienced, because I experienced dreams. I know I I had dreams, Mm -hmm. and I had hallucinations. I know that. Mm-hmm. But then I had this third area of experience that was so profound and so real that it just, I don't know, it, I just, what happened to me? I needed to know what happened or where I was. Mm-hmm. And then I had tried to explain it to one doctor and he just smiled at me and turned around and walked out of the room. And, um, they finally allowed my daughter uh, to come in to see me and she stayed with me my last week in the hospital Mm -hmm. so I explained to her what had happened and what I saw and she asked me she says dad who's Madison and I said I have no clue I said I don't know anybody named Madison and she said who was the man that approached you and I said Again, I said, I don't know. I didn't recognize him. I don't know who he was. And she said, well, what's this message, you know? She said, I don't think you ever used the word salon. And I said, well, I I said, I feel a responsibility that I have to find Madison. She said, how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know. I said, but I need to find her. I said, of veteran because i spent 20 years in the air force so i'm a veteran uh-huh. and I, I said but a veteran gave me a message for his granddaughter and i said i feel a responsibility that i have to find her mm-hmm. so i had to learn to walk again you know being in the hospital that long i lost a lot of strength and i had to learn to walk and swallow and do a lot of physical therapy. And so I was home and 
for some reason, I don't know why, I started rummaging around a, in a junk drawer in my dresser. You know, one of those drawers that everything goes into it, but nothing ever comes out, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. And I was, <laughs> I was rummaging around in this drawer. I, I don't even know what for. But I found a business card to a local barbershop. So I took it out to my daughter and I said, or my wife, and I said, could you guys call this barbershop and see what they're doing for haircuts? I said, I think I'd, you know, with COVID and everything, I said, but I'd like to try to get my haircut. And I wheeled myself back into my room. And my daughter comes in and a few, a few minutes later and she starts questioning me about this card. Where did I get it? How long have I had it? Where did I find it? All these questions. And I finally said, just get to the point. What, what, just call them for me. And she goes, dad, she goes, have you looked at this card? And I said, what are you talking about? And she hands me the card and she says, look at it. And on the card was written Madison's name. Wow. I was thinking that too, but it's yeah. Madison. Okay. So I said, make me an appointment. I said, I don't know if this is the right girl. I said, but make me an appointment with Madison. So we went down and I had been to the barbershop a few times. I said, I don't know. I, I wasn't a frequent visitor of this one particular barbershop, but we went in and this young girl comes up and she said, hi, I'm Madison. You know, you must be my next customer. My daughter tells her of how sick I was and how long I've been in the hospital and things. So I said, Madison, I said, can I ask you some personal questions? She said, yes. I said, are both of your grandfathers still living? Now, Madison was getting interrogated, not realizing that she was getting interrogated. Uh -huh. I said, Madison, are both of your fathers still living, grandfathers still living? And she goes, no. She says, the one grandfather that I was closest with passed away less than a year ago. Now, he died in 2019. This occurred in 2020. And I said, oh, I said, did he live here in Northwest Florida? That's where I live, in Northwest Florida. Mm -hmm. I said, did he live locally? And she goes, oh, no, no. She says, my whole family is in Iowa. She said, I was born and raised in Iowa. And she said, we're only down in Northwest Florida because my husband just graduated from college and he's a doctor of physical therapy. She goes, so he's got his first job down here. That's the only reason we're here. And I said, oh, I said, did your grandfather visit this area? Because, I, Kathy, I was trying to eliminate, have I ever seen this man before? Uh -huh. Did I ever run into him before? Yeah. Okay. But she said, she said, no. She said, he's never, he never came down. He never made it to Florida. So I said, was he a veteran? And she said, yes, he was a veteran. She said, he, she said I think he was in the Army. And uh, so I said, Madison, I said, I think you're, grandfather came to me and he has a message for you uh-huh so i told her exactly i said madison i said your grandfather wants you to know that he is okay i said his exact words were tell madison at the salon his her grandfather is okay i said that was his exact words she's crying i'm crying my daughter's crying you know so after a few moments and we kind of composed ourselves. I said, Madison, I said, he moved on to a white porch. Is that 
important somehow. And she says that would have been his house in Iowa. She said it had a white porch and he loved sitting on the white porch talking to people as mm-hmm. they would go by the house. Uh-huh. And I said, well, he was he was making red, white, and blue ribbons and American flags. Does that fit in? Kathy, she looked at me like I was an alien, you know. <laughs> I was going to think, is this going to say that? Uh, yeah. And she looked at me and she said, he belonged to the American Legion in Iowa. And uh-huh. every Veterans Day, her whole family would go down and make red, white, and blue ribbons and American flags for the veterans' graves. Uh-huh. Wow. So, I mean, that was my physical evidence, wasn't it? Yeah. That all of that is real. I mean, God gave me the physical evidence that I needed to validate what I experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, too. Just so blessed. Randy, I think you were at the right place at the right time on the other side. And uh, he was there and mm-hmm. he looked up and he said, Oh, I mean, you probably know each other, but yet, not yet. You're not about to know yet. But yeah. I just think that, you know, he was he was probably thinking about her concern about yeah. something. Well, and, his, um, name is, his name was John. Aw. And um, I've talked to – Madison called me up a few weeks after this, and, and she said, my grandmother would like to talk to you. So I spoke with um, – uh, her grandmother mm-hmm. and she said okay big skeptical at first obviously okay tell me what what happened what what you know what's this story that you're telling so I told her mm-hmm. and she was did you see his face and I said just for a split second mm-hmm. and she says can you describe it and I said it was a slender face I said dark hair Maybe a mustache. I'm not sure. And she's, I have to send you a picture. So she sent me a picture of John when he was in Vietnam. He was 21 years old. And I called her back and I said, that's who I saw. Mm-hmm. I said, that's the face that came to me very, very quickly. He that's who him- I saw. Peace and comfort, knowing that he's okay. Yeah, he died very tragically of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was not home when he died. Mm -hmm. So she didn't really get to say goodbye. And I think it's just his way. I mean, somehow, some way, John knew that I was there in heaven. My spirit was anyway. And he knew of this remote remote connection between me and his granddaughter mm-hmm. you know and and he just wanted to get that message home now what's even more ironic is that uh, his wife told me that this is the second time she has received communication from him wow yeah that is so cool that's so cool. Did she tell you that her experience that she had? Was yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, would you like me to share it? I can. I, yeah. Yeah. We'd yeah. like to hear these. Yeah. You know, um, she was telling me that right after he died, because they share some similarities to what I experienced, but right after he died, she was going through his presser and found a business card uh-huh. to an insurance company. Mm-hmm. And on the back of it was a name and a phone number. So she dialed the, the number and a young man answers the phone and she says, hi, and I'm just going to use a fictitious name. She said, hi, this is Sally calling, you know, on behalf of my husband, John, and um, who passed away. And is this X, Y, and Z insurance? And he says, no, he said, it's not. And he says, you've reached a private home. And she says, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. She says, you know, my husband passed away and I'm calling to see if this was a, if he possibly had an insurance policy. He goes, no, he goes, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid you dialed the wrong phone number. He goes, what number are you trying to call? So she told him. And he goes, no, no, he says, you dialed the wrong area code. And she said, well, where am I calling? And she said, well, you're calling California. Mm-hmm. He goes, where are you calling from? And he, she says, well, Sally says, well, I'm calling from Iowa. Mm-hmm. And she said, Randy, the, the phone went quiet for a few seconds. And he says, Sally from Iowa. And she says, yeah. He goes, I have to tell you a story. He said, a few months ago, he was, I was in a very bad motorcycle accident. And he goes, the paramedics told me that I was dead when they were scraping me up off the highway. And he goes, but somebody was yelling at me. Tell Sally from Iowa, John is okay. And he kept repeating it. Tell Sally from Iowa, John is okay. And she says, I don't know anybody. He said, I don't know anybody in Iowa. Kept yelling at him. Tell Sally from Iowa, John is okay. And then all of a sudden she calls. Wow. (laughs) So John is a pesky little spirit that (laughs) likes to send messages back, you know. How cool. How wonderful. And you gave her so much hope. And even with that experience, as well as the one you gave to her, she gives her peace that he's okay. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Alive. I mean, I think that's what he was trying to communicate, obviously, that, that he is okay. And that he's that, alive. Uh, you mean, know, he doesn't want her to live in guilt. Uh-huh. When I want to yeah. ask you something with your experience, your ND, when you were out of the body and stuff, and mm-hmm. you you felt fine, right? You felt more probably more healthy and you could see and, you know what I mean, move freely. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, you don't. I can say, you don't like every day we wake up and say, Oh, this hurts or that hurts, or I'm not feeling well. My conscious didn't go there. I mean, I just felt perfect, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, I didn't that didn't draw my attention. Oh, I feel sick or I feel tired or something. You know, those human feelings weren't there. I just felt this love. And this warmth and acceptance, 
Did you look down? Where I was, you know? I mean, Randy, did you look down at yourself? Did you look at your hands? Did you see anything that looked kind of, The only, the only real out-of-body experience, I didn't, to answer your question, no, I didn't. I didn't look back at myself. But I do remember being in the corner of my living room. Oh, Okay. And I'm trying to, I'm still trying to figure this one out because I'm, you know, I haven't included it before, but I'm, I have written it down as a memo in some of my memoirs. And um, I was in the corner of my living room looking down mm-hmm. and my, my, my middle daughter was on the couch, legs crossed with her computer mm-hmm. on her lap. And my wife was standing. We have some picture windows, doors that mm-hmm. glass doors that overlook the patio and in our swimming pool. Mm-hmm. And she was standing there, looking out, gazing out the back wow. uh, door, looking onto the patio. And I remember being up in that corner. And I remember leaving that area. And I've never, never shared this before because I just don't know, you know. But I remember leaving, and I was. I went outside, and I moved down the street to a neighbor's house, and I saw him working on a on a project. He was rebuilding his dock when I got sick, and he was working out there again. And then I remember coming back, and then that's all I can remember of that experience. Wow. So, again, I don't know where that fits in. I don't know. If that was another near death, I don't know if it was an out of body experience. Um, you know, I shared today because you asked, but I, I haven't included that one before because I'm just not sure where that fits into. And this happened in 2020. Um, have you had anything else, like even though you're at home, do you have any dreams or. Um... You know, some some of my near death experience people tell me they have things that keep continuing. You know, um, a little bit here and there. Yes, I've had I've had um, some friends of mine are very very religious, mm-hmm. and she wanted to hear my experience, what I went through, and what I what I saw, and. She said, Randy, she says, I get the feeling that you're a healer, that you're here to heal people, that you need to help spread this message mm-hmm. and give people hope of, of an afterlife. And this has happened to me four times so far. Um, one of the most recent one is I was recently out in Utah at a conference and I was standing in the lobby of our hotel talking to another member of the conference and I saw this lady walk through and she looked familiar. She, and I kept looking at her and I said, where have I seen this lady before? Who is she? And it dawned on me. She was the stewardess on an, on the plane that we flew up to Utah in. Mm-hmm. And something just told me to go to her. So I walked up to her and I said, Hey, I said, I don't, I know you don't, remember me I said but you were on you were the stewardess on our flight from yesterday and she goes oh the one from Dallas into Salt Lake and I said yeah 
And she goes, oh, she says, you know, how'd you enjoy the flight? And we chit-chatted. And I had my name tag on, and, and, and she said, oh, what is all of this? I said, oh, we're here for a conference. And she said, what does experiencer mean? And, I, and it was a green ribbon that they give everybody and who experienced an NDE. So I explained to her, I said, oh, I said, I've experienced uh, a near-death experience. And she kind of looked at me and said, well, what's that? She goes, well, basically, I said, I went to heaven and I've come back. And she starts crying. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, did I upset you somehow or, or you know, I, I didn't mean to? And she goes, no, she says, I have to show you a text message. And she sent, showed me this text message that she received 30 minutes before I met her, that her niece had just died. Wow. Maybe you just need to be there for her comfort. Yeah. So we had a long conversation, you know, after that. And, you know, I just, again, reassured her that, that her niece is in good hands, that she's fine, that, you know, you'll see her again. And you know, pass that message along to her. And she says, can I give you a hug? And I said, sure. And she gave me a big hug and thank you so much that it gave her so much peace and comfort in meeting me that day. Mm -hmm. And similar things have happened to me. Like I said, it's happened about four or five times now mm -hmm. that um, one night my wife and I were just out here locally at a restaurant and same thing. I just got drawn to this one particular person and they had a relative die of COVID, you know, like four months before mm -hmm. that they were there. And uh, I was gave, able to give her, give her peace and comfort, knowing that her loved one is, is safe. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that's my gift, mm -hmm. um, but that's what I've experienced lately. So I'm from one that is not very religious or wasn't very, very, very religious going into this, that um, you know, I am backtracking and I'm trying to find out more about God and his love and acceptance and his mm -hmm. forgiveness. And, uh, certainly he bestowed his grace upon me for allowing me to, to live mm -hmm. and to come back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so COVID was, it's a terrible, terrible disease and, and We've lost millions of lives worldwide because of it. Mm -hmm. But when I sit and think about it, COVID saved my life. Mm -hmm. It saved my life on multiple levels, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it certainly changed my life for the good, for the better, after. That is wonderful. And I'm not saying I'm glad you had this experience, but maybe it was just part of your path of life that you had to go through this to get you back on the right track so you can go home. Yeah. God had to get my attention somehow. <laughs> you know? You're very lucky. You're very, because very lucky. He gave me, yeah, he gave me some pathways to follow, and I don't think I followed them, obviously. But also, and, uh, too, I think that, Randy, it's also to helping your family. Because they're thinking and they're pondering on your experience and they believe you because mm -hmm. they love you. And because uh, I, I have some NDEs, it's so sad where their family just are cruel to them. And, uh, yeah, you know, and yeah, that which is really sad 
but then I try to tell them they just don't understand. You don't have an yeah. understanding. But it'll come yeah. around. It'll come around. And it well, I does. think, yeah, Madison, I think, is the one that that makes it believable. Because, you know, if, if okay, drugs do funny things. <laughs> you can t you can take you can take being in the great hall you can take being in the city you can take the pathway that story and you can say okay that's that's the drugs you know that's you hallucinated that or whatever well, how do you explain madison how do you explain a stranger getting or, a message or john from a fam yeah from a family from a spirit that you did not know and he gave me information of okay. how I could find her. And he gave me information that only the family would know. So that family knew that it came from him. I didn't know the family beforehand. Mm -hmm. You know? We had two. And that's, you had Madison and you had John. Yeah. So how do you explain Madison and John? You mean, I don't know. Can a hallucination do that to you? No. I don't think so. No, I think. You it, know? I think it happened, and yeah. you're at the right place at the right time, and yeah. you're the messenger. John, you're the messenger. John, the messenger. Yeah. Now you, you're the messenger to get go to yeah. them. You're yeah. Randy, the messenger and the healer, or the comforter. I usually say comforter to others. And uh, but anyway, but oh, Randy, it's so nice to have you on the show. Please, thank do, you. You know, do more talk shows and stuff and, and everything and if you ever come out to utah again send me a text if you're coming to oh, one goodness. of those nde okay. experiences i know they do have a lot of things out here relating to the nde you know once a year mm -hmm. or something but do send me a text and say hey i'm in town you know and um i'm at this event and i'd be love to shake your hand wonderful and, i will do that and um but i do want to thank you so very very much for um coming on the show it was very very nice thank you thank you for having me and uh <laughs> stay healthy and uh and i hopefully get to meet you here on earth and randy you have a wonderful evening thank you so much god bless you okay thank you so much for tuning in to the phenomena nde to everyone out there, have a safe and healthy life.